Welcome to the Recording Library of West Texas Award-Winning Book Club. On this show, we feature fiction books that have recently won literary awards. We'll discuss writing style, characters, plot, and more aspects connected with this month's featured book, along with some fun questions. We will also pair the book with wine, so stay tuned for our thoughts and reviews of today's wine sampling. Now welcome our host, staff, and volunteers from the Recording Library of West Texas for our award-winning book club. Hi, this is Trish, and we're here again for the July book club meeting of the Recording Library of West Texas award-winning book club. And sitting next to me is our engineer, Abby Wiggum. And to my left is Iris Foster. And next to her is Patrick Ramsey. And next to Patrick is Denisa Casey. And next to Denisa, Melanie Size. So awesome. Thank y'all all for being here. It's awesome to have a nice full group. Our book for this month is called Exit West by Mohsen Hamid. And that is the book is the winner of the 2018 Los Angeles Times Book Prize for Fiction. And also is a major award winner, the Aspen Words Literary Prize. And we'll talk why, about why I included both of those prizes. So we're going to start off with who's going to read our Los Angeles Times information. So I will try to, to, to structure these questions. But if you really want to jump in and say something at any time, go ahead and do it. So our first thing we're going to have, Iris is going to read, or no, Patrick's going to read our Los Angeles Times Award, Book Prize Award information. Okay. Since 1980, the Los Angeles Times has awarded a set of annual book prizes. The prizes currently have nine categories. Biography, current interest, fiction, first fiction, history, mystery thriller, poetry, science and technology, and young adult fiction. The book prize program was founded by Art Seidenbaum, a Los Angeles Times book editor from 1978 to 1985. An award name for him was added a year after his death in 1990. Works are eligible during the year of their first U.S. publication in English and may be written originally in languages other than English. The author of each winning book and the Kirsch Award recipient receives a citation and $1,000. The prizes are presented the day before the annual Los Angeles Times Festival of Books. The prizes and the festival are supported by the nonprofit organization, the L.A. Times Foundation. Since 1996, the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books gathers writers, poets, artists, filmmakers, musicians, and emerging storytellers. Now, in its 24th year, it is the largest event of its kind in the United States. The book prize judges are writers, academics, journalists, librarians who generally work in the fields in which they judge or they have a deep connection to that field. Not all of the judges are in any given year from Los Angeles or even from California. Most, but not all, are published writers. None is ever a current Times employee. Judges are appointed, typically, for two-year terms, which are usually staggered so that on each panel, either one or two judges are replaced every year. Responsibility for nominating books for consideration and for naming both the finalists and the ultimate winners rests solely with 10 panels of three judges each. So, not a huge cash award, but the prestige of the Los Angeles Times behind you. Okay, and then the other award is the Aspen one. The Aspen Awards Literary Prize is a $35,000 annual award for an influential work of fiction that illuminates a vital contemporary issue and demonstrates the transformative power of literature on thought and culture. The selection committee members are chosen based on their experience as readers in MFA programs in the publishing industry for the Aspen Summer Words workshop applications or in other capacities that require extensive, thoughtful reading and evaluation of literature. The jury is comprised of one Aspen Institute stakeholder, a literary scholar or social scientist, an Aspen Word stakeholder, and two notable authors who have written fiction that aligns with the goals of this prize. They are selected by the Aspen Word staff in consultation with the Aspen Words Creative Council and the Aspen Institute. Aspen Words will only accept submissions from publishers. Authors may not submit their own work for this award. 
So I included the Aspen Award information because I didn't know anything about it and I learned something. <laughs> so everybody else has to suffer. So the picture of the award online, it's really pretty. And it's done by this artist. I mean, the Los Angeles Times, you just get a certificate and a check. Um, but not unlike not being a volunteer at the recording library. <laughs> but the Aspen Award, it just looks so pretty to me. It's a white book, and it's on top of this wooden pedestal, and it has a black, you know, I mean, a brass plaque on the base of it. But it's like a white book, and then in the center, it's like cut out. And then in the middle of the center piece of glass is a frosted aspen leaf and it's ringed in brass so it's all brass and white and it's real shiny and pretty and, and you can hold it like a book it's you know? designed by sculptor michael orsung of the anderson ranch art center near aspen i included that. so i like art so that's why i included that because i think it's cool like if i was going to write a book and somebody was going to get i'd take the cash and run but if they want to give me a pretty prize i'm down with that too <laughs> So there is a picture online of last year's award winner, and she's holding it up, and she looks really happy. Okay, so now we'll go to our book summary, please. Or no, about the author first. Okay. Hamid spent part of his childhood in the United States, where he stayed from the age of three to nine, while his father, a university professor, was enrolled in a Ph.D. program at Stanford University. He then moved with his family back to Lahore, Pakistan, and attended the Lahore American School. At the age of 18, Hamid returned to the United States to continue his education. He graduated from Princeton University, summa cum laude, in 1993, having studied under the writers Joyce Carol Oates and Toni Morrison. Hamid wrote the first draft of his first novel for a fiction workshop taught by Morrison. He returned to Pakistan after college to continue working on it. Hamid then attended Harvard Law School, graduating in 1997. Finding corporate law boring, he repaid his student loans by working for several years as a management consultant at McKinsey & Company in New York City. He was allowed to take three months off each year to write, and he used this time to complete his first novel, Moth Smoke. Hamid moved to Lahore in 2009 with his wife Zahra and their daughter Dina. He now divides his time between Pakistan and abroad, living between Lahore, New York, London, and Mediterranean countries, including Italy and Greece. Hamid has described himself as a mongrel and has said of his own writing that a novel can often be divided, be a divided man's conversation with himself. And so the book synopsis, Exit West is a 2017 novel by Pakistani author Mohsin Hamid. It is Hamid's fourth novel. The main themes of the novel are emigration and refugee problems. The novel is about a young couple, Saeed and Nadia, who live in an unnamed city undergoing civil war and finally have to flee, using a system of magical doors which lead to different locations around the globe. Cool. I like that book summary because that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. I exactly. mean, which is yes. like, it's awesome when they can put it in one sentence because yes. I could never have described this book that succinctly. No. <laughs> so... We'll start off with our first question, and uh, these questions, I'm using the New York Times discussion questions for Exit West from their discussion group, which is called Now Read This. They read it a year ago. We're a little behind the times. So my first question, so we'll go to Denisa since she didn't get read anything. <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> Exit West begins with two people meeting in a city that is at peace, but is still swollen with refugees and violence and, and not yet openly at war although it seems like that is looming, setting the scene for what's to come. Throughout the book, as the city descends into war, Hamid never mentions the place's name. Why would y'all... Oh, any thoughts on why he would not mention the name of the city? I think even because it could be any place. I think that was, you know, it's, it could be anywhere in the world at any given time. And probably... If he's writing, I was thinking he wanted us to definitely think it could be anywhere. It could right. be the city I live in. Right. Yeah. Um, I, at one point he mentioned Tokyo, and I thought, this doesn't sound like Tokyo. But, yeah, you know, I was like, I don't really think he's in Tokyo. No, and there's, other, just, yeah, there's other cities. There's other cities that are mentioned, but I, I think it was more, this could be anywhere. 
so we'll talk about let's talk about characters for a minute. So our main characters are Nadia and Said is how he pronounced it. Although I in my head I was saying Said. Right. But we'll go with him since he's back from Pakistan and I'm from Midland, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> we'll go with Said. Do y'all have any I think that that Said is a is a nice character. He's a sweet guy, he seems to be a sweet guy, but I think the real interesting person is Nadia. Did y'all feel, how did y'all feel about characters? These two main characters. Well, Sade is a little conflicted because of his parents. And Nadia doesn't have that anchor. Exactly. Yeah. Right. He, he was a loving son. He stayed with his parents. I, I think out of an obligation to his parents. He felt an obligation to take care of his parents. And, and they seemed to have a good relationship. And they, ha- they had an excellent relationship. And Nadia, on the other hand, had an obvious falling out with her parents and siblings I believe were mentioned, and it, there was just no contact. So they just had two di- totally different viewpoints on it. Yeah, I feel like he had loyalty to his family, and her loyalty was to her freedom. Seemed like to me. Ah, oh, that is good. Self determination. She was pretty independent. Yeah, I like her. the image of her riding around on her motorcycle. Oh, her motorcycle yes. with her in her robe. Yeah. Her robe. I mean, I don't really have a good image of him. I'm sure he's just sort of a nondescript, nice Pakistani-looking person. I would think because I was thinking it was Pakistan, but she definitely caught my attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what do you think, Patrick? Uh, they complement each other well in the story. Um, she's independent and is used to being on her own. Has her apartment. Loves her apartment. She kind of teases him out a little bit, out of his shell over time. And then the character arc of Side is that he comes back home a little bit and, and finds that he's uh, trying to become a man. And his independence means going back to um, what he was coming from in the first place. Wow, that's good. Okay, my next question is about the, some, these other vignettes that occur in the novel. As the book follows the two characters, we also get to meet... A thief in Australia, a suited man targeting women in Tokyo, an old man whose house is being surrounded by military men in San Diego, among others. We never meet the characters again. They're just little interludes. What do y'all think is the purpose of including those in this novel? Behind the door. The unknown? What's going on Mm -hmm. on the other side of the 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 earth? The character of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. What's going on in around life continues beyond the confines of where they are i guess they're almost fables yes yes yes. definitely it's like once upon a time and then and they're very like bookended like Mm -hmm. the the one in particular that i really like is the one about the two older gentlemen and i think it was was it they're in like amsterdam or whatever and they go through the door and they're in rio de janeiro that sounds awesome because it's a really yeah. long plane flight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but they seemed like I liked that they all these things are going on around them in the world, and uh, they it was sort of an interlude of like humanity, somebody else's completely different experience. But I'm still not really sure why he wanted to do that to us. Why did he give us those other people? Maybe it was a break because everything was pretty intense in Sade and Nadia's life. But, I mean, all of the things that happen are intense. So, anybody else have any idea? It's a, Writers are weird. <laughs> I liked them. I did, too. They, uh, they're like little moments of flash fiction, but they really fit well in the story at the same time. So Cool. Did anybody else have a favorite? I like the one about the two old men. I like the ending when the person is on the balcony and they look out and they, she sees them. And she take, accidentally takes a picture of their first kiss. And then she deletes it, which I think is really cool. But anyway. Well, okay. if, you, if you think about how he says that a novel can be divided by a man's conversation with himself, then your story really is just about you and everyone else has a little bit of anonymity, especially if they're just brief interludes with all of these people. So your conversation is really whatever it is that you're directly affected by and the people that are just close to you and... The rest is very peripheral, so that would be my... But obviously, mm-hmm. there's all this other things going on yes. in the world, because the world is not just you. No. So. I wonder why he chose those specific but locations. Those locations, for yeah. For the doors. I don't... 
yeah, Rio, uh, yeah. Amsterdam, Australia, mm-hmm. like all those. Okay, the next question. Hamid describes windows in people's houses as a border through which death was possibly most likely to come. And the many ways a house has to be rearranged during war to ensure its safety. So we have doors and windows. So that whole thing about the discussion of windows is Hamid introduces the rumors about the doors. They talk about the windows first, and then he talks about the doors. How is the feeling of home as a secure place challenged in this book by the concept of these doors and windows? Windows is like the easier one to take care of. <laughs> I mean, just to think about, you just go to look out your window and you're going to, people are being shot just because exactly. they happen to, and like his mother's death. I mean, it was so random. Totally sad. Very sad, you know, and it was not like, I mean, she just went to the car. To went, get that was a car, car window. Yeah. yeah rather than went a to get house window. She wasn't even driving. Drive by. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it was just how random death could be in war like that i think and that you're not safe yeah you're a target no matter where you are exactly yeah so home is not always secure no and a window is something maybe symbolic of allowing someone in that isn't safe yeah Mm -hmm. and that comes suddenly in terms of home not being secure you first Mm -hmm. you think it is yeah you think it's and they he wants her to move there because he doesn't think she's safe in her apartment by herself which she probably wasn't, but he's not safe either. And they're, they are not safe in their home. And then the doors. So we learn about the doors about that time. So the dangers of the doors, but then also the hope of the door. Like you're going to take that. It's a leap of faith. You don't know where the door is going to lead you. They never are told. Right? No, I mean, it's like you just walk through that door and you'll be somewhere else. You'll be somewhere else. And I, I kind of wondered, how do you know that when the person behind you, are they going to walk? Are they going to wind up in the same place? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> are you really going to go together? It's like or? poltergeist? Am yeah. I going to be covered in red goo when they I come out on the other side? You know, <laughs> they had hesitation when they went through, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and he didn't know if he should go first or she should go first to be sure that they were both safe. So the door. So let's talk about the doors as an as a path to immigration because, I guess, I think what it was missing for me was that I think a lot of migrant stories are about the journey, and this totally eliminates the journey, to maybe a paragraph of the experience of what it's like to go through these doors, the first time, and then after that when they go through multiple other doors they don't really talk about the experience of going through the doors there's no talk about the journey of migration but there's all the talk around it before and after why and then where they get to and what it's like there and then they wonder what they've left behind which i think are all migrant thoughts but the journey itself is really not that hard yeah yeah Uh, i mean it's just momentary so is he saying that's not important Hmm. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's because he doesn't feel that the journey is the most intense part of it. Maybe it's the fear of what you're going into and the loss of what you've left behind is more intense for the author in his perspective. Maybe. Well, and settling is a journey, too. The, where you have to get used to a place and, and where there's fear of attack from the people that live there, they're angry, and you know, dealing with life when you get to the location. And who your new allies are and who your new enemies are. I think you kind of expect it to be safe when you get where, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this bad situation and I'm going to something good. And it only takes a moment to get there, but then when you get there, Maybe it's not so good because... Yeah, unless you had enough money to buy one of the uh, good doors. (laughs) Which, that's an interesting concept. Yes. (laughs) If you have enough money to pay, your journey is is the same, but you'll end up in a better place. In a better place. Unless the thief takes your money. uh, Unless the thief takes your money. And also, what is better? 
So the idea I mean, of privilege. Like I'm putting better in little quotes. Like what uh, is the better place to be? Uh, but there's also in, in a journey or any kind of travel, but in particular that there's action that's distracting I'm mm-hmm. sure, from when you get settled and then you have to really deal with all of those emotions of what you've actually settled into. So, yes, and this may be the wine talking, but <laughs> I think that so many novels are about the journey, about like, the you know, it's the Odyssey, it's yeah, the Iliad, it's, the, yeah. it's about the things that happen to you along the way, that maybe he wanted, this really could be the wine, that maybe he wanted to eliminate that trope of a novel and make the journey about the actual being, there. being a migrant. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> My thoughts. Um, <laughs> really, just have had one glass of wine. So let's go to the next questions about the doors. And this is a generational thing. When Nadia and Said learn that the magical doors do exist and can, in fact, take them away from the violence of their city, they are excited and immediately pursue an agent to help them leave. Said's father, on the other hand, only says of the doors, let us see. Does this resonate to you of the experience of dinner different generations of migrants hmm modern technology <laughs> mm-hmm. but also when you look at these columns of people coming up from central america they're young people with families there are not any elderly people not many old people just physical barrier but in this case there's not really a physical barrier well in different generations in general I, I don't think he wanted to go through yeah he'd rather just not he'd rather be stuck too yeah it was too much i mean i know he doesn't didn't said he didn't want to leave his wife mm-hmm. right but she's dead right mm-hmm. but like that's the kind of thing that like old people say when like like i have friends who have parents one parent dies but the other one doesn't want to leave the house where they live together. Right. That's what it made me think of. Mm-hmm. Or his they, country. Yeah. Uh, are their country or, you know, they want to be able to, to visit the grave. Exactly. But that's very meaningful to some people to, to visit a graveside. Mm-hmm. This is really sad. And I think this is probably one of the quotes that I like the best. Chapter five ends with Nadia making Sade's father a promise to take care of his son and the line, that is the way of things for when we migrate, we murder from our lives those we leave behind. That's my favorite. Is Hamid referring to Said's father and the people we leave behind or something else? Something more. Oh. Like the old, New York Times with these questions. <laughs> Deep thinkers there. His old self. His, uh, yeah, it would be his old self, his old way of life. I mean, you're going into a whole new... And also, like, I was just thinking, like, also, like, you, obviously, they feel so powerless that maybe in this way, they are murdering the people that are left behind, not necessarily his father, but the people who've taken their, their home and their safety away from them. They're negating some power. It's a final separation. Hmm. Okay, New York Times, heavy. As migrants move through the magical doors to other places, trying to escape war and chaos, the passage they take is described as both like dying and being born. Does this description feel representative of the experience of people who migrate today? Both like dying and being born. If they're successful. Mm-hmm. If not, maybe it's just like dying. Maybe it is dying if they're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They have to yeah, go back exactly. and, and deal with the, the corruption and so forth and the violence. But you it do. Might. You have to die to the old way of life. And you're reborn into whatever. And give up your possessions. And give up your possessions and and your friends, your family that you leave behind. So it is. I mean, it is. It's a death. It's a death. Mm -hmm. They took their phones, though, right? (laughs) 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 They did take their phones. They're not savages. (laughs) Those darn millennials. So I I can't say anything. I would be t- totally attached to my phone. I'm sorry. That, yeah, I I can leave my parents. I cannot leave my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. with me. In the real world, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. Right. <laughs> but not when they lived in that camp. Yeah, they yeah, they. I think they. That's when they start their relationship starts to unravel a little bit mm-hmm. when they actually have to deal with each other. And no distractions. And the people in the yes. camp, rather than reading. 
that was that, all that stuff about the phones, and I'm glad you brought it up. And I'll diverge from the New York Times a little bit, but because they don't mention the phones, I can't imagine being like on a journey where you know no one else. So the only and the only thing I can relate this to is when my husband and I moved to Amarillo. <laughs> <laughs> we migrated <laughs> from Houston to Amarillo, where we we didn't know anybody but each other. And that forced us, it forced us to rely on each other. Right. And also the stresses of that being that the only person to go to dinner with or to communicate with or anything was also the person that you were, I mean, we were just with each other a lot. So I think their relationship starts to show stress immediately after they leave. And I believe their first, what was that? Was that Mykonos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greece. Yeah, yeah. Greece. Yes. Um, yes. In the refugee camp there with intermittent Wi-Fi. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I probably would have done better if there when we had the internet back then when I moved away to the hinterlands of Amarillo, Texas. Hinterlands. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's Very a lot of pressure to be foreign landscape source of everything. That's yeah. You're the uh, you're the only person. Yeah. So I started thinking about that too in terms of modern day migrants. They leave everything and then they are here and if they have family that's good but is it really family that they know you know it's a cousin or an aunt um, that you've heard talked about in the family maybe right or maybe seen once or, or twice maybe, yeah 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 they really don't go into that deeply do they no in the no. novel no like where i mean like in london when they after they leave mykonos and they go to london and they do have the house there, and mm. then the house, then the whole migrant community sort of coalesces in that area because of the doors. Then you have, like, the the house they live in is predominantly, was it Somali or? It's African. Yeah. yeah African. It's people Groups, who yeah. have fled an African country that's in distress. But he wants to go over and hang to out with the people with the who people. were from their home country yes. yeah, in a different area? house. Yeah, it was maybe Nigeria. Nigeria. And they're hassled. Like the Nigerian girl hassles Sade when he's going up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and then to the point where he's ready to leave that house. So that's interesting, too. He wants to migrate over to the other house. But they have a room of their own and so forth. It's like, listen, you know, don't. Don't be dissing this deal. This is a pretty good deal. Yeah. He's kind of saying, I want to be with people like me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I mean. Like when the immigrants came to the United States, the Irish. Everybody wanted to be together, yeah. Mm-hmm. To the Irish community. Familiar. Yeah. The Germans went to German communities. I mean, that's just the way immigration has always worked. And I mean, it still does. I mean, the, the people are, that migrate here are looking for communities. A community. That have like. So it's a pretty human thing. Right. I wonder why we're that way. It's human. It's Comfort, right? Isn't it psychological? Uh, yes, it is. From yeah. the expert perspective over there, because you want to you want to connect with people that are like you, which is why communities sort of self segregate even. Because it's scary world. not to have people that are familiar, sure, that look like you, think like you, know, have your the background, your traditions, mm-hmm. your background. Just like it's scary for people to come in that are not like you, right? like everything else change is difficult and you know the same is a little bit easier mm-hmm. so. so i was sitting at a lunch one time in uh gosh like minneapolis somewhere in the midwest minneapolis somewhere very north minneapolis or i can't remember where and um so we were at lunch and it was a working conference so kind of a fancy lunch and so there was these bowls on the table with some form of liquid in them. And I was sitting next, may had made friends with, and here's how this goes. Everybody's from all over the country, but I end up sitting with the other Texan. Right. There you go. Exactly. And he it's looked, magnetic. And he looked at me and he was like, is that queso? <laughs> <laughs> it was the salad dressing. It was like really not a big deal. But I'm like, it was funny. And it was funny to he and I, nobody else in that room would have thought, Exactly. Mm, you know, that was funny. Maybe the person yeah. from Arizona. <laughs> Maybe. It's interesting that the author in this book, he keeps everybody kind of unfamiliar, kind of keeps mm-hmm. you not that invested in the other characters mm-hmm. because only Nadia and Said are, uh, you know, that you care about. Mm-hmm. Like when she got a boyfriend and he got a girlfriend, I'm like, 
Whatever. Okay. We're not going to know you. <laughs> Wait, Go away. No. I already liked the other one. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the story. The story the, it is a love story, even though, sorry, spoiler alert, they don't stay together. But it is a love story between the two of them. And they're the only characters that ever we ever really do get to. Yeah. Know. I mean, kind of his parents a little bit. Right. But, yes. Yeah. But um, everybody else is just. But we leave rich. them. So they're expendable. Yeah. yeah. Next, New York Times, deep question. Into the cities to which migrants flee, Hamid writes that people began to reassemble with others of their own kind. So we talked about the human impulse of that. They move, continue to move locations. Their relationship becomes increasingly unstable. The way they speak to each other is not as kind. By the end of the book, Hamid writes that they began slipping away from each other as people all over the world are slipping away from where they had been. What do you think Hamid wants us to learn here? And I'm going to repeat the thing that's in quote, slipping away from where they had been. So migration, to me, it just means migration changes who you fundamentally are. Is that like something about yourself? Civility seems to be sacrificed. Whenever. Yeah, they get real mean with snap, whenever they snappy. Move, yeah. but that's just stress. Could be. But that could also represent just how time does that. I mean, in all honesty, we all grow and change as people over time. And we all have experiences that shape who we become. And it's not always, it's actually never who we were when we were, when you started any relationship. There's drifting of the population and there's drifting of personalities too. Sure. Mm-hmm. And evolving of each individual as a person. So that exactly when they're breaking up is when he includes that interlude about the two men falling in love, the Amsterdam to Rio, the artist guy and the, and all that. And that, so I think that is why that stood out to me. We're supposed to see the unraveling or the ending of a relationship. And then like the, then he has a little vignette about interlude about the beginning of a relationship mm-hmm. sort of to echo back. To, because the beginning of the book is tr- truly romance, boy meets girl, fall in love, mm-hmm. figure, figure it all out. Sweet. Oh, it's very sweet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all that sweetness. Yuck. How do y'all feel about the way the book ended? That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the ending? They well, reunite. It sounds like neither one had ever had someone else in their lives who stood up to their original love. The most significant relationship, yeah. maybe? Yeah. I don't think they ever found anyone that understood them like they understood each other. But so much of that could have been the time they spent together and the you know controversy that they found themselves in and so forth. The war... I could picture it happening in my mind, and it sort of felt a little Casablanca-ish to me, the way that it ended. So I thought Casablanca, maybe. Yes, I thought it was a a beautiful way to end, but with no real promise, no fairy tale. No, no, but they were going. What were they going to do? They were going to go see something. He was going to take Chile or somewhere in South America, whatever. Yeah, which you know is never going to happen. Oh right, yeah. The mount. He wanted to go to the top of the mountain and see the stars. Some night, if you're free, we'll go do that. Yeah, which is interesting. Just Uh, through a door. Yes. His his parents um, had more of a companion he loved and stayed together. They developed more of a companion he loved and got bored with each other, and then came back and we don't know. Mm -hmm. Wanted different things. Yeah grew and wanted to change and wanted different things. Another part of the book that I thought, well, there's two parts that I'm, uh, there's, now I'm done with the New York Times and they're heavy, deep questions. And let's go talk about like the real things. So the one <laughs> the shallow thing stuff. that I think was really cool was when he's describing the, he wants to show her the pictures and they're pictures of cities like New York, London, whatever. And the guy has gone to the same, what was it? The same latitude, longitude of a place that's remote. And taking the, the picture of the stars that was cool. yes, with the that darkness was, yes. and then superimpose that over the city. So you have like the city with lights, but with stars because you can't see the stars. I just thought that was cool. Like it's it the wine again. Yeah. It was. No, it was, it was interesting. 
It's hard for us to imagine because we can see stars over Midland all the time. Now, <clears throat> when I was a kid, it wasn't quite that way. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember was that? being outside with just almost being able to see the Milky Way, like going about just five or ten miles outside of town. Hmm. Yep. So that was a cool part to me. Then another part that I really liked, I thought it was very described and written very well, when they get to, they've been in the migrant camp for a long time, and and they're they get the golden ticket or whatever to the, the place Chocolate in London, thing. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they get there, and it's like a beautiful, clean, pristine house, and there's running water, and she goes mm-hmm. to take a shower, and it's like a rebirth. And I mean, I've been really dirty after a camping trip before and felt yeah. the exact oh, yeah. same way. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. hot or not, like when you don't have hot water for a while and then you finally have hot water again. And then he gets irritated with her because she's spending so much time in the bathroom. Washing out her clothes. And, and then she's like, like yeah, I got to wash my, I can't put my dirty clothes back on. I just thought it was, that part was written very descriptive and very, like, I felt it. Like, I'm like, oh, yes. yes. Leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She no. needs her space right now. <laughs> Let her take a shower. <laughs> really? Yeah. No. That It was. Re- it just stayed with me. Imagery. After the imagery. Some of those Boy Scout camping trips. Yeah. It made me want to shower too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not wash all your clothes. <laughs> yeah. Not no, washing my clothes in the bathtub. But um, I have done that in a yeah. hotel. Is there any other, like, those are my two things that sort of stood out to me. Does anybody else have, like, a standout, like, writing yeah. scene? Oh, gosh. Well, it was more, th- I don't know if it's thematic, but he would use a word, and he broke rules by repeating the word a lot. But he did it in such a way that I didn't mind him repeating the rules. And so, like, what the last one was the word man. And he talked about manhood for, like, a paragraph, maybe six, using it six times. I'm like, oh. And it and, and just kind of slid by me. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting writing style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'll have now to go look get at that, that book and look at it again. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's one, this is the reason I like reading on the Nook is because I can just put find in the book and I can find it. So anybody else? Did any other What was the themes? significance of the title, do you suppose? Oh. Were they always moving west? It doesn't seem like it. Mm. Well, exit's like the door. The door. Right, but exit west. I mean, they didn't wind up on the west coast, but. Mm-hmm. And doesn't everybody want to go west? <laughs> go west. Go west I really, and that's right. <laughs> I'll go to California any day. Um, it seemed to me like they went east. You know, they went. They zigzagged. Yeah, it, I just was. My geography isn't great, but I was having a hard time following. Well, if it was if it was Pakistan from Pakistan to Mykonos, west. Would be west. Yeah. And then London would be west of. But so I think it was, I think that that's, the New York Times would say that's too. Literal. (laughs) Literal. Maybe. Yeah. It's more of a metaphorical west. Okay. But west, in west you're moving. America. To the end. Okay. Yeah. Or to the, you know, the west is, so the sun. The sun sets. The sun's birth is in the east and then it okay. sets in the west and so you're always Toward the end moving towards steps. death okay is that that's probably too deep no that's probably <laughs> right. way too deep <laughs> Poor um so what did y'all think what is your opinion of the book and did it change from the beginning to the end we'll start with iris i liked it I, I liked everything about it i just kept having to scratch my head about you know why he used doors as the Mm-hmm. The you know euphemism for you know the migration. Mm-hmm. Good storytelling, bittersweet. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. It was it was different. I mean, I'm not into the post-apocalyptic world. Di- yeah, the diaspora thing, fiction thing. But I did enjoy it, and it was well written. I liked the writing style a lot. I thought it was a more realistic sort of love story and not a book I probably would have selected so I'm glad that I had an opportunity to do so cool that's perfect <laughs> good answer Melanie <laughs> made me feel good since I picked the book <laughs> so what do y'all think of this author would you read another book by him I kind of want to go back and read that what was the moth. first one moth moth, moth something yeah. I was curious too yeah moth smoke moth, moth smoke. smoke yes yeah I would I would definitely read that there was another one too that that was a little bit more 
best, more bestsellery, well known. Can't remember what it was called. Um, yeah, I would definitely read something of his. I thought he was good. If you were going to interview him, would you ask him? I know also Iris and I, but I would ask about the doors too. Yeah. Like, how did you come up with like the idea to just leave out journeys and just use magic doors? Anything else you would want to ask him? Well, he was interviewed by PBS. If you'd like to read that. Where's oh, that? I have not <laughs> so. read that. How to Get Filthy Rich in Rising Asia and the Essay Collection. <laughs> yeah, that one didn't appeal to me as much <laughs> as the <laughs> moss really. smoke. Sounds good. Um, I just saw it. It was Reluctant. Fundamentalist. Fundamentalist. Reluctant. That's the one I had heard of before. Okay. I had not heard of this one. Maybe in an airport or something. Seeing the Reluctant Fundamentalist on a book rack. I loved it because it wasn't so long. <laughs> it, okay, it was short. so let's well, do yes. Yeah, yeah. So let's do the basics about the book. It was only about 150 pages, something, something like that. that. Yeah, it was four hours of read. audio. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little four four hours twenty minutes of audio. So I actually started out reading it and then I had to go out of town, so I downloaded it. Not and listened quite a trip to, it. to Fort Worth. Yeah, right. I went to Austin and back, and I listened to it like two out two hours of the trip and then two hours on the way back. And he reads Her the book. She could go to Austin in two hours. I could. It's not a magic door, but it is, you know, fast car. No, I mean, I listen to other things the rest of the time. When you're leaving Midland, I can't concentrate enough oh, to, yeah, on a book. No, you have to. You got to get it out. Of, you got to get to Garden City you first. Avoid <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And avoiding all the trucks. So I did listen to the audio version. I did like it. Then our next question, and actually I have a caveat here because I know that it's already been optioned for a movie. Ooh. So... Who would y'all have play, play Sade oh. and Nadia? Mm. Any, I mean. Well, there's, I mean, it would have to be somebody that fit. An immigrant description? Yes. Is Penelope Cruz too old now? Probably. Yes. 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 Yeah, I'm sure I would put her there. I don't know. I picture somebody darker, maybe. I don't know. Who's the person in Yesterday? Yeah, that guy. Patel? Uh, uh, no, I don't know what his name is, but I want to go see that movie. So, <laughs> but I know, so I know who you're talking he would, about. He would be, yeah. I've only seen the trailers or whatever, but I, I don't know. But the boyfriend would have to be Keanu Reeves, just <laughs> <laughs> because. Oh, and well, I'll hear a little more about Kia him. Yeah, or me with my standard. It's Chris Hemsworth, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't think Thor would be good. Um, but I did. It is already optioned for a movie. But I didn't read anything beyond that, and I didn't even check. I usually, I meant to go back and check I, the international movie database to see if anything had been, like a director had been decided on or anything like that. So do y'all think it was a successful book? Yeah. I mean, aside from these awards that it won, did it, it enjoyable. achieve what, mm-hmm. yeah? Yes. And it was timely, so. too, with the whole topic mm-hmm. of immigration. Yeah, we didn't, we haven't got too political. How, um, do y'all see, like, the Aspen Award is given to, and it has to be like a social, political mm-hmm. thing. Um, it wasn't particularly preachy, though. No, not no. at all. It was just a story. It gave awareness, a little bit of awareness. Yeah. Right. I think it was yeah. more, it was really very honed in on the actual experience of it mm-hmm. and not the peripheral, what was going on. It didn't really get into the politics of right. what was going on, you know, why the world was at war. Right. And, I mean, they were, there There was bad things. Like, well, I mean, the bad people in the home country, obviously, right. like going door to door and killing people. Bad. That was yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, which, which sect are you? And then if the, you didn't answer right, they killed you. Mm-hmm. That was bad. But once they left there, I don't, I didn't see a lot of, I mean, there was the problems in London with the government saying they were out of control and protest and trampling and all that. But the worst and the most violent thing I think happened to Nadia when she was waiting in line at the bank. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was, that was a little scary. The whole dressing up like a girl and going through. Yeah. So she's wearing black robes. So you say hijab <clears throat> or whatever, or a burqa mm-hmm. and, but she's not religious at all. And she, but she's just wearing it. So people leave so her alone. Herself, right. And then ultimately it didn't work. Well, I mean, that would work in her home country, but in London, in yeah. London, not necessarily, and certainly not in California. Right. And sorry, but well, it, yeah. I mean, like the whole world was at war. It wasn't. Yes, it was not just a. There was like, you didn't flee war. There was you a just, funk. You mm-hmm. fled to 
more war. Well, that Just actually, different, oh, look, Denisa, know. you're taking me back to the New York Times question because oh. that he says, um, this is one I skipped. As Nadia and Sade escape through the doors, we learn that not just their city, but much of the wider world is also in turmoil. Refugees are on the move in Mykonos and Marin County near San Francisco. Riots are starting over migrants in Vienna and London. I thought Vienna was interesting because I mean London. Yeah. 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 Vienna, but I guess there's a door there. What do you think Hamid wants us to understand about global instabil- instability? I think that it could be it could it can happen, happen anywhere. anywhere. It and could pro- just happen yes. anywhere. And a lot of those there's a lot of these countries where everyone was living just a, a normal life and it's all ripped out from under them and that's a strong message that that could really happen anywhere. Exactly. So but, the theme is not necessarily political. No, I think we're looking at uh, survival. two innocent bystanders. They're not the rebels. They're not a part of a movement. They haven't taken on any oh, Yeah, stance. they're not activists. They're just like, some, they're uh, just everyone's trying, trying to get through life. Right. We need yeah. to get out from under the rubble and just go. And that's it. And so that's a different perspective than probably what I'm used to reading. There's always somebody who has taken on some kind of opinion or stance. But this is just people trying to get through. Taking They're their kind of drifting somewhere yeah. else and trying yes. to. They're trying to live. They're trying to survive. Right. And, and these kids are just college kids trying to survive. Mm-hmm. With their phone. With their phone. <laughs> With their phone. <laughs> I mean, that, that did. The technology. I was like, here we are with the technology is their life. Like it is. It's true, though. I mean, it's so true. And it helped. It does. Oh, yeah. I mean, it helped them. And it helps today. But then. It's like we took kids to camp and we took their phone away from them for a week. And you would have thought we were killing them. Torture. It was absolute torture for those kids giving up those phones on the bus. Like, okay, how many hours is it till I get it back? <laughs> it's five days. The next morning, four days, I get my phone back. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. they're just absolutely glued to it. Addiction? Yes. A bit. <laughs> so I just... I put in phone in the book to see how it's mentioned so many times that I can't even, I couldn't find a specific quote about it. Exactly. There's hundreds of references to phone. Yeah. And like his phone, I can just read you like the partial sentences, the phone stripped of so much of its potential. Ah, That's when they had no Wi-Fi. limit her phone. Sade's phone had died and he charged it. Really? We need to know that. Like, no, like, I don't need to know your phone died. It's kind, is that really? It's kind of strange, but it it is. I think in literature, especially, we don't want to see the phone as being a part of our existence. But it's the truth. But it's the it truth. It, I mean, I mean, it's we, another character. If we want to deny it, deny it all day. But we use our phones, everybody. So that I did think that was interesting. So when they were trying, when the government was trying to gain control of the refugee situation, they, not only did they. Block the signal. You block the what is it? Was it electricity? Right. But then they also block the the internet or Wi-Fi mm-hmm. signal. And in the real world, that's what governments do too. Sure. When they are trying to oppress the people, yeah. Or when there's a situation like we've had that, like when there's a situation in a fire or something, when there's only like one cell tower on a mountain side of a mountain that services a community, mm-hmm. and that so that was the first thing after the fire in Rio that they brought on a trailer, a portable cell phone tower to put it back up on the mountain to get everybody's service restored. Like that's how important that was to like, I mean, as important as water, right. Electricity. Cell phone. Yeah. Uh, Because nobody has landlines anymore. No, that's true. So, I mean, you used to go pick up the phone and dial the little rotary thing, you know, (laughs) I remember. (laughs) I do remember. So, yeah, phone is mentioned, like, on almost, like, every other page is what I'm coming up with, which is kind of interesting. And then they even use it as a reference, like, like a phone screen. (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed, though, in newer songs, like some of the newer indie music, phones come up. Text messaging is a part of music. Oh, it's just lyric. It's lyrical. They're blowing up my phone or whatever. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah. no, it's because I'm listening. I'm like, oh, what a pretty song, and they're. Talking about phones and texting, and and somehow that's it's the language. It's how things it is. Have changed. It's ubiquitous. So there, the other day I was at home and 
soap opera was on TV at lunch. I went home at lunch. And the characters on the soap opera were texting each other. So you had one guy sitting in a bar, and then the girl was sitting at like her house. And they were texting each other, and they actually had like the bubbles. The bubbles. Oh, on the God, screen. oh no! It's like, in movies too. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, but I was like, wow, this is the Young and the Restless. It's like a yeah, <laughs> exactly. It used to be a letter. They were really restless. And then, yeah. yeah. Writing. writing. Not it's, anymore. Now, now it's a. I'm like, what's next? A thought bubble? <laughs> like, yeah. no dialogue. Yeah, just broke thought the bubbles. fourth wall too much, huh? <laughs> A little too much, yeah, a little too much for me. But then again, soap opera, who cares? Yeah, um, they're gonna push push the boundary anyway and be sort of maudlin and popular, I guess. I just thought it was interesting because usually when I think of soap operas, I think they're watched by mostly older people. I guess they're catering to a different audience. They are totally catering. Exes are headed up there, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm with the exers. Um, so, would y'all recommend this book to another person? I would. Yeah. Certainly. Cool. Yeah. I did listen to the audio version. It is good. So did I. Um, so, yeah, you're, Melanie and I are the audio reviewers, I guess, on this one. I read it. Did you read? You read the paper <laughs> version? The library's paper the, version. Library. Oh, shout out to the wow. library. Awesome. <laughs> Downtown library had it. Uh, so, as usual, if any of our listeners would like a audio version of Exit West by Mohsen Hod. Hadid. Oh, we've probably said his name 15,000 different ways. Hamid. 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 Anyway, by that guy, <laughs> <laughs> they just need to call us at 432-682-2731 or email Stephanie at recordinglibrary.org and we will get an audio version to you. And I, I do, it is enjoyable since it was, I like that the author read it and his voice, he had a lovely voice. It wasn't I, like, it was a soothing voice. Yeah. It wasn't like a, I don't know. He just has a nice voice. And it's his words. So he knew how to pronounce it. And his it, accent so. was easy is, to understand. Is Raj from the Big Bang yeah. too short to play him? Oh, you know, I think Raj would be good. Yeah. I, oh, good one. That okay. Was a good one. Our book for next time on August 6th will be Normal People by Sally Rooney, which is a 2018 winner of the Novel of the Year of the Irish, oh, I can't remember, the Anne Post Irish Book Awards. Also the winner of the Costa Novel Award, which is, Costa is like a coffee company in Europe, but it used to be called something else, and I'll, we'll, we'll learn all about that in August. It looks like it's another sort of star-crossed lovers theme uh, romance, but with like a social setting. I don't know that it's definitely war, but there's some kind of other conflict. Conflict of some sort. Going on. Anybody else have any final thoughts about anything? Okay, cool. Thanks for coming. We'll see you in August. Can't believe we're almost August. We're halfway through our journey of award-winning books. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for the Recording Library of West Texas Award-Winning Book Club premiering on the first Thursday of the month at 7 p.m. Thanks to our volunteers who participated in today's reading. To listen again, find our show as a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at our website at recordinglibrary.org.